0: Welcome to Pro Audio Profiles. My name is Brendan DeCora, and each week I'll be hosting different guests, mainly engineers and producers, but also people from across the industry. Enjoy the show. On today's show, we have Victor Andrizzo. He's a session drummer who's played with artists such as Avril Lavigne, Alanis Morissette, and Lizzo. Check it out. First and foremost, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I just want to premise this by saying this is actually the third time we've recorded this. This is the third time. Yes. We've had technical <laughs> difficulties both other times. However, we've got a new camera set up and everything's going to be so much better. So yeah. I'm glad that we're able to do it right. Yeah. So appreciate it. I like to start, if you want to go through your, your backstory, kind of how you, got, how you got to where you are.
1: How did I get to where I am? Uh, Well, I started playing as a kid. I just was obsessed with music really early on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was my escape. Right. Uh, I had a very kind of funky childhood, and so music was really like this weird little dream world that I could escape to. And Mm -hmm. I think I grew up in a really great time like yeah. the 70s and into the 80s, like uh, where music was just so exciting. You'd go to a record store, you know, right. and if you, if you caught a glimpse of somebody, it was from a magazine and you had to wait and there was this right. amazing anticipation <laughs> about it. And it was exciting and mysterious. Mm-hmm. And uh, even at an early age, I would read album covers. Right. And credits, yeah, all the liner notes, yeah. and I would just dream of like you know who are these people, and how are they so lucky mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and reading about the studios and, and then my my family moved to California, and I was so excited uh, to be here because a lot of the the labels and the studios yeah. were here that I would read, yeah, and one of the first things I did as a kid when I got here was. I got the yellow pages out and I looked up Capitol Records right. and I called them and asked them how much it was to make a record. And the Jeez. receptionist who answered started laughing and she could tell that I was a little kid. Right. She was how like, old oh, were you? I think maybe nine or 10, oh, like I was okay, little. Okay. And she started laughing she's like, it's a lot of money, honey. Yeah. And then I, then I was like, not being discouraged. I said, well, then how much to make a 45? Because right. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think initially my dream was to be in a band. Mm. I didn't really ever think about being a session guy. Right. And, you know, I grew up like not, not taking lessons. I My family was pretty poor. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even get a real drum set till much later on. So it was okay. like playing on pillows and trash right, cans right. and stuff like that. Uh, and then starting out in bands. Uh, but by way of, like, you know, a lot of people, we would make four-track demos, or I would go mm-hmm. to people's places to record. Uh, and I learned very early on that it was important to play to a click track. I remember yep. reading in Modern Drummer. Right, they were, right. There was, like, a drummer studio drummer roundtable, and they were talking okay. about that and all the various ways you could play with it. And I really took that to heart. Mm-hmm. So I think when I was, like, 18 or 19, I got in a band, and we got signed and i was obsessed with like not being replaced i was like right. i want to play on this record right. because i already knew by that <laughs> time from reading so many articles that if you couldn't cut it you couldn't play to a click you were not going to play on your record yeah that's and so crazy. <laughs> i would sleep with a metronome i was what? like really yeah. <laughs> jeez i was really obsessed like wow. i was like i want to have that hmm. down and uh and you know, my poor brothers, like, we shared a room. And so, like, <laughs> oh, they all have awesome time. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But that thing, and then, you know, I, after being in a series of bands mm-hmm. uh, that didn't work out or, like, you know, we would get signed, get so far, and it would fall apart. Yeah. It was interesting because a lot of those, my friends in those bands would be like, okay, well, now it's time to go another path, get a real job or something. But I was so obsessed. I was like, this can't be it. Yeah, I love this so much. And so just kind of by the, by way of playing on demos or like people's records, like Mm -hmm. at first here and there, I just, you meet an engineer, you meet a producer. matter of fact, I think, uh, one guy that I still work with a lot is Joe Ciccarelli. And I met yeah. Joe Ciccarelli when I was like 24 years old. Wow. It was the first time I did a record Crazy. with him. And he was recording your band? Or no, a session? it was it was a, an instance where I got called. They didn't have a drummer. Okay. And so I played on this record. And, nice. And that was it. Just like, you know, you meet people. And for me, it's I didn't think that I was going to be honestly good enough to be a studio guy. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't. I think because I didn't go to school for it. Okay. I, you know, I didn't le- learn to read music till much later on, like in my 40s, oh, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't have that confidence in it, or I just thought, I, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I was never that guy that was so sure of myself or thought I right, was right. all that. <laughs> uh, and yet, like, I loved it so much, though, I didn't let that stop me. I just... Right. I I had the... I, I think I had the Charlie Bucket syndrome, which is the guy from the kid from Willy Wonka, where okay, right. he just wanted it so bad. I always kind right. of related to that. Yeah. It's like, you yeah, know, there's no Plan B. There was no Plan B for me. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: and I find that that's you know myself included. Like the people that become successful in this industry, kind of have to be that way. You know, it's like yeah,
1: I couldn't no imagine other, doing yeah. anything else, and I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where it was going to go. And there were so many times where it just seemed like, oh, maybe this is not going to happen. But I just right. didn't give up. Right. And maybe because I felt like I had no no choice, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, yeah, one thing leads to another. And yeah. <clears throat> you play on one record that happens to be successful. And then all of a sudden, right. you and know. And, right. and I was pretty lucky in the fact that when I've played on things that have done well, they were so wildly different from oh, yeah. the next thing right. that, you know. I don't know. I've got to have a career now. I look back and it's like it's 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 all over the map. Right. It's-
0: I I remember honestly one of the first times we worked together like I you know, I worked in studios a long time and I always kind of kept a mental note of oh, this session player is really cool. I really like how they play and when you came in it was like I I want to say it was for a John Legend thing or something like, you know, R&B or something, but yeah. the track we were doing was more of a rock vibe and you like busted into this crazy rock part and i was like dang like he's really versatile like you can do a lot of different things so it's
1: cool i felt know? lucky i think in the era that i grew up mm-hmm. and also you know i think about my mom in my house she played a lot of different kinds of music so yeah. i was exposed to a lot of different things and I think that's important to have a lot of different gears. I call yeah. it right because mm-hmm. some some players might be you know I'm the jazz guy so I play real light right or I'm the rock guy so I hit really hard yeah but if you can figure out how to have all the gears right and you know it's go crazy. from that it just makes you it makes it more valuable I absolutely suppose. absolutely yeah. and what were some of those first records that kind of put you on the map I mean I think the first one that was really big was uh the Avril Lavigne that that was okay. like okay. I played on cool records I played on a Willie Nelson record I played with Scott Y well, I, I did things that were right. more cool Chris Cornell record yeah. like nice. but the I, thing, would,
0: I actually saw recently uh that you played on one of the first Queens of the Stone Age records yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's crazy
1: yeah, I, yeah I've had a really weird all over the map yeah. kind of right. deal like uh nice um uh, but yeah, the Avril Lavigne one was the first one that was like, okay, right. this is like massive. really massive, and like you go into a grocery store and it's playing, <laughs> right? And, right. Uh, and then you start getting a bunch of calls for things like that, right? Right. And then, for sure, yeah. went from there. Yeah. Nice.
0: So one of the things I like to talk about a lot on the podcast is kind of how to inspire artists in the studio, for you know, to, to create great performances and everything else, and. As a session musician it's a little bit different than engineers per se because you're part of you know that process how do you um how do you approach understanding the artistic vision of the artist so you can maintain that
1: I think really you you have to take everything song by song mm-hmm. right and really figure out what that song is saying and how do I convey the emotion of it we mm-hmm. We talked about this before right it's like right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> It's, it's something that doesn't get talked about that much, right? Mm-hmm. Because we focus so much on the technical aspect right. of things, right? right? And in this day and age, you want to see people like how they technically execute something. Yeah. But there's this like unspoken thing of like, well, how do I convey an emotion, right? right. So if I'm uh, on a session and I'm with an artist and they're playing a song and it's like it's sad or it has this longing right. to it how do I convey that in what I'm playing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, if I go in there and I start whipping out some ch- you know, crazy chops over <laughs> yeah. it's like, that's not conveying that emotion. So right. I think that's the thing. It's almost like being an actor or something where you have to put yourself in that role. Right. And I have to, what, what is this song about? How do I get inside of that? And mm-hmm. then put that emotion across. And I think right. that's the thing that makes a difference, right? It's not, yes, you have to be able to execute Of course. Right? Yeah. Yes, as a drummer, I need to hit consistently. Right. right? My time needs to be good. Mm -hmm. Right? But above and beyond all of that, I need to be able to convey an emotion so that that makes the feel of the record. And a lot of times, that's playing in a way that you go unnoticed. And I always think that when I'm playing on a record. If you're Mm -hmm. noticing too much what I'm doing, I'm not doing my job. Right. They didn't hire me. It's not my record. (laughs) It's not like, you know. Right. And the drums are
0: kind of a supportive instrument. It's a supporting in the role, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I like For that. Sure. That's cool. And how do you how do you approach uh, collaborating with engineers and producers
1: to achieve the best results? Same thing. I mean, you know, uh, luckily over time, I would say there's like a, I've been given a level of trust with people right. that they'll go. I, I can hear a song and go, oh, it's this kind of song, and I need this kind of sound, mm-hmm. right? And that, that wasn't the, always the case. And, right. that, you know, so I hear a song and I go, oh, the drums should sound like this because that's the mood of it. Mm-hmm. But you do run into a thing where somebody else, the producer, or an engineer, uh, might have a very different view of it, right? right. right. And I, I remember running into that. I have run into that through the years. Like you might find a more, uh, not old school, but like a guy of a certain era where they don't want you to put shit on the drums, right? Yeah. And I'm going, right. shit, well this is what like this is how <laughs> it would feel to me. And also drums are funny that like how you treat a drum gives it a completely different vibe and yeah. a feeling of playing it, right? Mm-hmm. It physically feels different right, right. to play a drum that's wide open as mm-hmm. opposed to one that's super dead. Right? Right? And so it's really it's being able to adapt to all those scenarios, right? right. It's like it's not just walking into something and going, oh, I'm just going to do this, and right. this is all going to work out. Like I would say more nowadays, luckily, since I've been doing this so long, people are generally going to cast people, right? It's like the producer's yeah. like a, a, a director or something. He's going to cast people yeah. and go, oh, I know this guy is right for this, right? Exactly. But sometimes you just get cast because somebody yeah. said, and you show up, <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. Okay, now I need to figure out how to do something that... You know, initially is not how I would approach it, but I mm-hmm. need to make this happen, right? Right, and right. No, that's very true. Like,
0: I know firsthand with working with different producers, like, you know, your name will come up. It's like, oh, yeah, we should get him because, you know, we won't have to worry about anything. Like, it'll be amazing. You know, like, it's he's the right guy, you know. But then sometimes, you know, if it is a totally different project, we are talking about different people because, you know, the producer totally. and I are very honed in on which feeling is going to be right. Not necessarily yeah. the
1: technicality, but yeah. who's going to, you know. Yeah, and there are times that, you know, somebody might call me for something and they'll tell me what it is and I go, I'm not I'm not the right, right. guy for this, right? right. It's like, oh. <laughs> I, he, I remember we were even on a session
0: and yeah. <laughs> we're saying that. It was like, okay, well, this is a little bit, you know, different, so we need to try
1: to adapt and, you know. Yeah, because I think, you know, sometimes with all of it you have to remove your ego from it a little bit. Like, because I don't know at this point too, I just feel like, yeah, help people get the job done. That's right. And then when Mm -hmm. the thing that you're right for rolls around, they'll be like, Oh, okay. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And, um, how important is, active listening in the studio and how do you ensure you fully understand the artist's expectations and preferences it's a little bit what we we're already talking about yeah but.
1: you you have to read it and that's another skill set mm-hmm. uh is to read a room read people right right read the vibe like and, and you have to do it quickly it's funny because i would say generally if you're a session guy you're not going to hear the music beforehand, right? Right, or usually, yeah. I, I would say, you know, 80 to 90% of the time, there's not even a conversation. Somebody just says, hey, can you show up here on such <laughs> and such a date? And you walk in and you're like, what's the vibe? Like, how, right. you know, and all <laughs> no of a sudden idea. you have to go, okay, all right, I'm this guy today. <laughs> right, you know, right. I'm rock guy today or I'm sensitive guy today. Yeah. Or, I'm like, you know, anywhere in between. Yeah. So yeah, you have to read it real quick right. and like have that that sensibility you have to be sensitive to what's mm-hmm. going on and that's also one of my
0: other questions is how do you prepare for that like sometimes you know when you don't even know the track in advance you have to bring a number of different yeah. you know pieces of gear like yeah. you have to be prepared for all yeah. different so I have a cartage
1: guy who brings like I have a bunch of different okay. stuff and right and then once I hear the song I can go oh okay it's this these drums right or this right. you know uh, hmm Nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's funny. You really have to hone your intuition. Right. Right. And then be able to trust that. And like right. how you do that, like, you know, is just to be kind of familiar with a lot of different styles. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would say for more modern things, it's funny. I'm lucky that I have. A house full of teenagers. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Not normally stuff I would listen to, or even if, you know, I hear something coming out of their bedroom. Oh, okay. That's all right, I get it. Right. Nice. And how do you uh, encourage artists to
0: step out of their comfort zones and experiment with new ideas and taking risks?
1: I mean, I, I think part of the reason I get called now is that You know, I will try different things, or I like weird sounds, or I've developed a thing, you know, through the years, through watching my friend Tim Pierce, who is an amazing guitar player, Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from being on sessions with him and how he approaches things and how his initial track... Is super simple, and then he builds on top of okay. it. And I, the thing I, I I learned from him is that he said when he would do overdubs, he would start with the chorus. Oh yeah. And he's like, you know, once I have the chorus happening, I know the rest is cake. Right, right. Uh, and so I started approaching uh, drums that way, where I didn't need to make everything happen on the initial track. And as a matter right. of fact, like it used to be. Or there is a style where it's like you know you really start bashing in the chorus, or you, you the dynamic of mm-hmm. it really changes, which yeah. is great for some things. But what's cool is when you can maybe you know you you can change the dynamic a bit, but if then with all your overdubs, you make that chorus really pop, right? Right, like by doing right. a bunch of things that all of a sudden come in that weren't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And that actually
0: leads me to another topic I want to touch on is. You know, you have your space here where you do a lot of remote recording for clients. How do you balance the actual technical aspect of engineering yourself with staying creative and staying inspired and
1: struggling with the technical difficulties yeah. and it's all funny, that? uh we were talking about that a little bit before. And mm-hmm. I you know, for years I have I've had studios Out where there. I had an engineer, I had an amazing engineer, Chris right. Stefan, right? Like mm-hmm. and that was uh or Vincent Jones at another place. Like, uh, that was an amazing luxury. Yeah. Right. Because then I didn't have to think about anything. It's like, just go play. Right. When you have that right. now, uh, really since the pandemic, right. Changes mm-hmm. everything for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had a lot of, uh, growing pains just figuring yeah. out and really the hardest ones being if somebody sent you a movie or a tv show right. where there's a lot of cues you have to get through right, right right and opening a bunch of different sessions and file management and making sure everything goes <laughs> yeah making sure all the mics are working right. and when you start flying through things and i have had things i was just telling you i had a thing mm-hmm. where you know, somebody needed something in a, in a rush. It was like, right. and I knocked out four songs only to find out that one of the capsules in one of my overheads was out. <laughs> and you go back and it's like, you know, now I've really learned that after right. every take yep. or everything, I'm looking at all my <laughs> files, making yep. sure all the things are there. And it's funny, that can slow the creative process of down course. a little bit, yeah. right? And so sometimes in that that event, I start backwards now, and I might do a lot of the percussion overdubs first so that I have that to play to. Okay. So that I know, like, you know, if I have to go back to the main track and redo something, right. I've already kind of right, have right. my inspiration or the thing, the idea that was in my head
0: gotcha. before it gets away. That's interesting. Yeah. Nice. It's like a kind of reminder of yes. what you were inspired yeah, by. Yeah, because
1: there is, there are things that happen. I, I would say that's the thing that is cool about technology, right? Like mm-hmm. there was something amazing about tape. But there's also something amazing about like anytime I have an idea right now, I don't have to wait for the tape to rewind, but I can just go and do that idea right now as it strikes me. Uh, But I also am super grateful that when I first started making records, it was on tape and there was that pressure of like, oh, I have to get this right. They're not, no one's going to go and quantize (laughs) me or like, you know, yes, you could fix some things, but like you had to play. Yeah, definitely. And so that, I'm grateful that I got to be in both worlds. Right. Have, have a view of that.
0: Absolutely. And how has that changed? I mean, obviously, you probably weren't engineering as much back in those days, but never. How never. has technology changed your, your workflow?
1: I mean, what's crazy is you even think about, you know, even I would say, you know, early 2000s or even 2010, like mm-hmm. the technology to be able to record at home. You, need, you could do it, you could have a bunch of great mic pres, but mm-hmm. now it's funny like with the, you know, something like the Universal Audio stuff, right. it's like where you have, you know, uh, plugins as your yeah. mic, pre, the plugins sound great now. Yeah. Whereas, definitely. you know, a, a decade ago, they did not sound that no. good. Right? <laughs> yeah. or, or you had crazy latency, or right. there, was, there were a lot of problems. So it's like yeah. the technology you know, really was pretty life-saving during the pandemic to right. be able to just pivot quickly. That's true. And, yeah. like, I mean, it's it really saved my ass and probably a lot yeah. of other people, Absolutely. my peers. Yeah, definitely.
0: Even yeah. myself,
1: like, yeah. I got a lot more
0: mixing work during that time because people were locked down at home making yeah. music in their
1: bedrooms and needed a mixer, you know, yeah. it's. And the barrier to entry is like, it's different now. Like, you know, you know, instead of buying a, a rack of Neves for, mm-hmm. you know, 10 bazillion dollars, <laughs> right. I could spend $2,000 yeah. or, you know, whatever yeah. and get. Absolutely. That's you know, really good quality stuff. Yeah. For sure.
0: For sure. Um, and, so when it comes to leaving a lasting impact, I know as a session musician you're not that's not always on your mind, but how do you how do you help to um how do you help the artist to to achieve that, you know, w- when you collaborate with them?
1: Yeah, I don't know that I I've thought about that so much. I think about you know, serving the song. Did I serve uh. the song? Did I like make it so their vision came through right did i like is the emotion there Mm -hmm. that to me is is the key the weird unwritten thing yeah right yes technically i could walk in and play something but did i make it so that you know that feeling comes across so that you know it's they're excited about it or you know Mm. i and I don't know really how to do, like, how to explain that other right. than, like, you have to, like, be able, like an emotional chameleon and, like, <laughs> be able to feel that stuff. For me, if I can't connect with something, I just don't think it's going to be very exciting or yeah. come across. And so I think the real trick is connecting with things that you wouldn't normally connect with. Okay. Right? Huh. And that's, as a session person, you're going to plan some shit you don't like. Yeah right or That's you're true. just like man this is not right it's not my, my thing. thing yeah how do i quickly get in this mindset right right how do i you know i always use the example of skater boy okay from Avril levine like mm. you know i heard that song initially and i just go skater boy i'm not you know I'm not a skater boy. I don't, you know. (laughs) Right. But I, I, you know, I'm seeing there's a 16 year old girl sitting there. She's there, and it's like, she was excited about the song, and I was like, okay, I need to like put Mm -hmm. anything in my my mind, any judgment, all of that aside. I need to like hop into this, into her mindset, right, and and get into it. And like, I think that shit comes across, even if you can't notice it. It's almost this like it's a feeling. Right, and that it connects with who it's supposed to connect with. It's not supposed to connect with, you know. I think I was like a, in my thirties at that time. It's not supposed to connect with a thirty-year-old. You know, I'm (laughs) I'm trying to be a sixteen-year-old girl here right now. Exactly, (laughs)
0: exactly. (laughs) Nice. And um, along those same lines, how do you, um, what techniques and approaches do you use to help artists grow and evolve during the recording session?
1: I mean, that's interesting. I don't know. I think, you know, if you're doing a record with somebody who's making their first record, right. you know, there's little things you can, clues or tips. And it's funny mm-hmm. how important headphones And headphone mixes are this is the thing that drives me crazy about some people that might have their own studio Mm -hmm. that the headphones are like an afterthought. Yeah. When really to (laughs) me it's the most important thing. And anytime I had a studio, it was like it was so important to be able to get the right headphone mix, right? Because definitely the thing that's interesting to me is you meet some players or young players where they'll have themselves so loud, Mm -hmm. louder than the click, louder than everything else, I'm like if you're li- only listening to yourself, you're not having a conversation. Music has to be a yeah. conversation. If I'm only listening to myself and thinking about what I'm going to say, right. we're not having a conversation. Yeah. Right? And so, having the right headphone mix, having mm-hmm. like being able to hear all the things you're supposed to interact with, right. or maybe you're on something where it's like, oh man, I can't feel that, so you got to get way out of my mix. <laughs> <Right, laughs> you right. got to be, yeah. or I need more of this. Yeah. Right? I think those things are super important in the recording process Mm -hmm. right yeah definitely i just want to take a quick break and tell you about my free guide for
0: creating massive snare sounds in it i go over all my techniques from drum choices tuning microphone placements even mixing techniques check it out now at brendandecora.com slash huge snare and now back to the show from your perspective as a session musician, what advice would you give to engineers and producers to better collaborate and get the best, best performances from
1: session musicians? I think it's funny because there are some producers and engineers that make you feel really comfortable and really mm. confident, right? If I feel comfortable and confident, then I'm relaxed and I know I'm in a safe place right. that I can try a bunch of different ideas and I can fail, Mm -hmm. right because maybe it's not going to work not every idea is going to be awesome yeah but if you're in a safe if i feel like the producer trusts me the engineer trusts me Mm -hmm. then i can try all these different kinds of things and then we have a dialogue and then i think you come up with something exciting if you're doing anything out of a place of fear like oh maybe they're not going to like this or maybe they don't like me or like all that it just doesn't yeah you then you kind of clam up and you're exactly. afraid to say something <laughs> and really maybe then you're passing by good ideas or things that could take right. it to another place exactly so, exactly yeah my favorite producers and engineers are ones that make everybody in the session feel really comfortable and mm-hmm. confident you know right. and what are some common
0: misconceptions and misunderstandings that you think engineers and producers might have about working with session musicians
1: I mean, I think now if you've been doing it, like, it's funny, it's gotten so much harder to make records or like, you know, get into that same place that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, most people I work with, they're, they're pretty great and they really, they know what they're doing and they know how to get the best Mm -hmm. out of people. But I think, I I think casting again, right? Like cast the right people for the job, make sure you've gotten the right people Uh, and generally if you've made it to the level of actually being a session person, they know you're going to have a lot of different sounds. Like they know you're going to have a lot of different gear, like having the right gear for a job is super important, right? Being able to get the right sounds or like, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if somebody goes, Oh, I hear it this way, you know how to get that sound. Right. Right fast instead yeah. of like oh shit we need to call like <laughs> wait, wait, wait. big panic we need right. to call in you know <laughs> exactly more exactly. we need to rent more shit you know right, it's right. like you know yeah. somebody that is actually deemed a session person will have they'll know how to get that sound right. for you or
0: for sure yeah for sure and what about live shows i mean how do you
1: how do you prepare for those versus the studio how is it very it's just such a different beast yeah. right it's a di- different beast and Again, like I, I, I've I, had the luxury of like the last, I don't know if it's like 13, 14 years of playing with the same artist mm-hmm. uh, with Alanis Morissette. And, right. you know, I, she's so amazing and makes everybody feel super comfortable. Like mm-hmm. you're allowed to be yourself. Uh, and so that that is just fun and you can... Right. I don't know. It feels free. And like, <laughs> not. I know not everything is like that. Yeah. Right.
0: Do you play live stuff with anyone else or mainly just uh,
1: her? Every once in a while, but not, you know, not too much. Yeah. Like I, I would say really it's like studio and her. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Nice. And what
0: are some, um, current or recent projects that you're allowed to talk about? If you don't mind.
1: Well, I think last, that we were talking about, there's the Bob Dylan movie. That's probably on hold for, till this writer's strike is over. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I, I'll I, think of a lot of cool things after this, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But, like, <laughs> there's always different things. Uh, that I'm, have been released recently, let's oh, say. Oh, released. Yeah. but Gosh, you're allowed to talk about it. It's funny. It's interesting. There's a lot of country things that I've been... Oh, really? Know. Yeah. And oh. I guess the last big thing was the Lizzo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, about damn time that's that was pretty exciting and i love working with that producer Mm -hmm. uh, ricky reed nice he's really awesome (laughs) nice and again like somebody who knows how to get the best out of people Mm -hmm. make you feel comfortable right right and have fun Uh, yeah if you can make something fun for something and you feel free to try things you're going to come up with stuff that's really cool exactly yeah nice
0: um, and so I like to wrap up with the same set of questions each time. Um, first one is Who is your most influential teacher?
1: It would be, it's outside of music, it would be my sponsor, Sonny Duran, who's okay. uh, I'm a recovery guy, mm-hmm. uh, have been for a long time. All right. Uh, in October I'll be celebrating 26 years Nice. and I would have to say it's things that I learned in the program Mm -hmm. that have made me be able to be I don't know the person that I am now right like to show up for things and the way I approach things and try to approach things with love right uh and just be yeah I don't know so nice. I mean, it's too it's too much to go into yeah of course, really. of course. <laughs> but there's something about just enjoying life and mm-hmm. the love of life and appreciating all the ups and downs right and the emotional highs and lows mm-hmm. and that you can bring to music right you know yeah. where it's not uh
0: yeah it's just love nice yeah awesome um and this one may not apply to you, but, you know, it's, I like to ask, what is your favorite reference track for engineers to go to a new studio to learn? But in your case, what would be something you put on to be inspired?
1: Uh, it would be Donny Hathaway, I Love You More Than I'll Ever Know, Live at the Bitter End. Okay. Uh, there's something so amazing about that track that I can hear just the opening chord and it just puts me in a mood. Right. Nice. And I think it's funny, I tell a lot of drummers that might reach out to me to like, listen to that track and play along with that track. It's super slow, yeah. super hard to play to <laughs> because it's so laid back right. <laughs> and it's just so open. And yeah, just nice. Nice. try and play to that.
0: <laughs> All right. Awesome. Um, and last question is, What's one tidbit for an upcoming engineer? But in your case, could be a session session drummer.
1: Well, I, I think also as I am like a uh, as you're an engineer, my own too. engineer. Yeah, exactly. right? I, I just think like my favorite engineers are the ones that were always like uh, willing to just try something right. different, right? Because right. it's I think it is important to know the rules, mm-hmm. right. We know we don't want things out of phase. Or sometimes maybe you do want something out of phase, right? (laughs) But then to just try to, like, you know, just be open-minded. You know, I think the great era of recording to me is really, like, in the late 60s and 70s where people were just trying Mm -hmm. different things. Like, have an open mind. There's there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know, so to speak. Like, you just... Just try different things. Be open to that. Like, you know, don't be so set in your ways that, like... I I always try to tell my kids this. uh, If you stop learning, you're fucked. You'll always (laughs) be a student. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And I approach that with recording with playing drums. Like if I Mm. think that I know how that I've got this, then I'm fucked. Right. Right. If I'm not still learning how to do new things, yeah, I'm fucked. (laughs) Exactly. So just keep learning. Yeah. For sure. I agree.
0: (laughs) Awesome, man. Well thank you so much for taking the time yet again to record this with (laughs) me. (laughs) Thank you, man. Thank you. Awesome. Sweet. Thanks so much for checking out the show. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review or comment.